I'd love yeah. picturing a couple CIA agents like by the UNS in Paris, like kind of fucking like pouring through a bunch of Lacan's like like lectures and Foucault's <laughs> history of madness. And trying to be like, you know what? This seems like it actually be really useful for undermining the left, which exists in our country at Yale. You can't read this much and kind of be this thorough and pedantic if you're not actually aware of the limitations of your own framework. When you go really hard, so I've been watching a lot about basketball. That's why I have all the go in the paint metaphors. And Hell shit. yeah! But like, <laughs> when you go all really right, hard, bulls. yes. Hell yes. Five in one, baby. So like, <laughs> we have um, just crushing it. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> like when you go really hard like that, you can't possibly be unaware of like exactly what you're trying to prove and probably what you're not, you know, like you you don't like follow through like that. If you think you're trying to exhaust the terrain of like social and political analysis or explanations. So like, I kind of respect Foucault's boundaries. I don't respect Foucauldian's boundaries, man. Like they, like, (laughs) like there's this way in which I genuinely get the impression that it's just like biopower and it's just rolling, bowling us over and we're just reproducing it and we don't know why. And anything and you try to do to oppose it actually ends up just, you know, captured like you said, in reproduce advance. It. You're captured in advance right. and you're reproducing yeah. it. Where yeah. it. You know, and he says stuff like that here where it's like, you know, you effectuate, you activate, you reactivate, you create the myth of power. And there's mm. like a fundamental way in which that's true. Like that is kind of like yeah. how social movements and power structure, like structures of power evolve. But then like, and, and maybe this is just like being uncharitable, but the reason I don't return to Foucault as like a useful resource for myself is pretty much because I feel like whatever is like, it's almost not worth digging beneath this like other stratum of the way Foucault is interpreted. That's mm. kind of like a big picture problem mm. I have, but I do think that that's like my honest judgment. It's not that like, I think Foucault isn't useful. It's that I'm just like not going to do battle with the stuff I find that's not useful to like get there. Like I'm never yeah. going to pursue that in my work. Yeah. I just thought point the point about the the minutia and the marginalia, I think is really interesting. Because one of the things, one of the things I do like about Foucault and that I do go back to him for is some of his reconstructions of a certain historically specific discourse. There's not a lot of philosophers, right? Political philosophers that will be like, okay, we need to actually spend some time getting into what the levelers around the time of the English civil wars, like, and the levelers and diggers, as he talks about in society must be defended. What were they saying? Not just what were, not were just like some of the statements they made, but what's the actual coherent thought inside of like the levelers and diggers like movement. And now he doesn't always like stick the landing because I feel like even with that specific (laughs) analysis, He's importing a lot of what he wants them to be saying. Like, right. look, they're not actually doing like class warfare here. They're doing like race war against the Normans, the, the Norman yoke, you know, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I'm like, Sometimes I'm you like, got to invent your own ancestors, man. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but like, and like, you know, I kind of feel like that's going to go awry a lot of the time. You know, when you're trying to talk for 30 pages or for two hours about what like some weaver said in like 17th century Brittany or something, right? And like why that's more important for the genesis of the state than what Hobbes said, right? right? And so like, and like it's fucking audacious and like sometimes it like almost kind of works and it blows me away. But yeah, I'm generally apprehensive about it, but I do think that, that I, I still think it is a rich resource and I do still like go back to it for that. Well, so like on the one hand, I wanted to return to something that you said before. You wonder about a concept like criminality, right? And 
he's giving such a different kind of account than you do get in, as you said, like the sort of general, more or less still to this day, majoritarian accounts in political philosophy. And because of their weird idealism, right? Like, you know, if you read stuff like this today, it still sounds like this bananas nonsense that you get with like Kant and Hegel, where it's like, why do we punish the criminal? Well, they have done (laughs) wrong to the concept of right itself. And the concept of right demands that they be punished. And it's like, what? What the fuck are you people talking about? The idea demands their punishment. The idea demands their punishment. And instead, he's like, no, 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 wait. What are the actual sort of like contextually specific and historically sensitive conditions under which some people's sort of infractions are treated as serious and others not? And this does have to do with like, you know, like an account of of power. And it is deeply tied up with things like class and, and the nascent concepts of race. Like you said, he doesn't always stick the landing, (laughs) I don't think. But the other thing that I wanted to say, too, is that like I, like you, Lillian, am usually just infuriated by his statements about Marxism as such. I think the context is somewhat helpful here, though. The PCF in France in the 60s and 70s was like straight up Stalinist. And this is the Marxism that he has in mind when he makes these denunciations, which is, I think we can say, an idealist teleological and frankly unhelpful way of thinking about history about theory and practice that he's like look at these people these are the major representatives and even like the Althusserian school like we you know our very first episode of the show was about Althusser with whom I'm maybe more sympathetic than I should be but there's obviously idealistic elements there right and this is what he's responding to and saying no 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 can we instead of like constructing these weird grand narratives, like actually look at what people are doing and saying at these various conjunctures at the moment when something like the state is coalescing and becoming something that has some actual power. That makes sense to me. Latter-day Foucauldians should not just adopt wholesale this rejection of, quote, Marxism, because it's no, that's, yeah. the context is different. And Well, and despite Foucault's own statements, like he didn't do that. Like I, you can see the impact of Marxism, especially, I mean, it's probably why I like this, uh, this period of his work the best. Like you can see the impact of, uh, of Marxism on the work that he does in the seventies. It's clearly there despite his own really stubborn, <laughs> really annoying, like just constant dismissals of Marxism. There's a funny line from Balibar that's, uh, I guess Balibar did a response to the 71 lectures where he says, yeah, it's amazing how like Foucault like attributes to Althusser all the things that Althusser said he was replacing about Marxism. <laughs> like, you know, he, he attributes all them, all the things that Althusser said, like, okay, these are the things that we need to replace. And, and Balibar says did replace. He's like, no, no, that's just what Althusser is actually about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big L right there. Yeah, that's a huge L. Uh, so so this is something that I'm having a hard time squaring, though. I want to be generous about you know, what you know, I think is really helpful and what Foucault is doing. But you know, we keep coming back to our kind of um, distaste of Foucault's disavowal of Marxism. And I want to ask a question about what are supposed to be the pragmatics of this? So Foucault is able to get this you know, very specific viewpoint on you know, how criminality emerged and how the state emerged because he is, you know, in, in a sense, it actually helps. He is so far removed from that historical context context, that he's able to go into these you know, forgotten documents and start to rebuild this discourse. But you know, just because we are looking at how something like criminality formed back in the, the 16th or the 15th century, why should I believe that you know, one tells me anything about the contemporary context? And two, it seems to me, how would one do a Foucauldian analysis of one's present context when it seems so much of what Foucault yeah. 
is doing is the historical distance makes it possible. And so what one might find really helpful in Marxism is that Marxism is trying to, you know, um, certain versions of Marxist analysis are trying to give you general principles that even in different conjunctures will give you uh, the grounding or the handhold to be able to analyze a new situation. You know, obviously lazy Marxism is just like looking back at what people are doing in like the 1600s and be like, nothing's changed. Like, it's just that. It's just class warfare, baby. And I'm like, um, okay, I guess. I don't know. feel like, you know, things are a little bit different now. And so I, I'm trying to understand, like, when I'm reading this Foucault stuff, I know he wants us to be commenting on society, but why in the world should I be convinced that something that happened 500 years ago bears on not generating productive knowledge for us to understand what's happening now? Especially so if good. knowledge is as productive as he says. Like, and so that's why I think a lot of, like, the more contemporary stuff is seems so, like, I don't know, tendentiously related to, like, other historical and political developments because like if your primary method is like if I just like look at discourses and I see how they diverge and come back together and morph like there is a way in which like there has to be a structure for thinking about that like you can't just like pick random stuff and be like this is it this is the point of entry like I think that's what I was trying to say and I think that to Foucault's credit I don't think it's like random what he's doing, like those sources he's drawing on or or whatever, but there's nothing clarifying about what what you should think of. Yeah. Like what is it? And I think that the problem, and I'm just kind of stuck on this. I I've tried, I fought myself, my postmodern self fought its way out, left my body after years and years. But like, I just don't think that the analysis is helpful Like, okay, you're talking about discourse. Sweet. Like, if that's all there is and you can't say anything about Mm -hmm. ideology or, you know, because let me back up. Like, what I think is really great about Foucault is that if you actually had some idea of of truth, like falsifiable and scientific and not absolute and like wacky, then you could think of yourself as doing an idea, like thinking about how ideologies really form, you know, and it's, and that's super empowering in a certain way, because Mm. you can say, listen, they are dispersed. They're actually really contradictory. They're not coherent, which means you can shift them and you can think about why they would form in one place and not another based on other factors. And that seems dope, but like, he doesn't want to think like that. Like he doesn't think that there's like a reason that this is all happening. And that's why I think he has this misleading like way of saying, just like showing you a pattern because Mm -hmm. he thinks that in itself is demonstrating something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just think like if I, I'm I'm into truth, you know. I think you're you're trying to explain stuff. There's better and worse explanations. There yeah. are better and more or less accurate ways of thinking about your circumstances. Partial, you know. I can be a good continentalist in that way, but anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, with Foucault and reason, if we wanted to be gen- generous to him, I think you know the best he could say is, I can give you local reasons why in this specific you know, context it seems like this thing might be happening. Uh, but then where it kind of falters is, you feel like I'm supposed to get some sort of general principle from this, right? But you know, the Foucault that we get, especially the Foucault who kind of like you know, crosses swords with Sartre, is that you know Foucault isn't trying to be what he calls, uh, and this is a pejorative Foucault. I think um, some of 
the general or the universal intellectual, that what we need is a specific intellectual who mm. takes stands on limited, very narrow issues and you know, just tries to dig into them. For all of like someone like Sartre's problems, it's the Sartre thought, I can help you, know, you grasp a general principle of what's going on, something transcontextual. And what I always get, you know, struggle with, and maybe it's, you know, not with Foucault, but maybe it's with Foucaultians per se, is that Foucault does all these specific analyses, but, you know, I never get him saying, so here's a transcontextual right. principle that will allow you to understand how I'm selecting these documents, why these are mm -hmm. the ones that help us understand this, this yeah. specific formation. But sometimes it feels as if, and I, I don't mean to be dunking on Foucaultians, some of my best friends are Foucaultians. I, I live next door <laughs> to a Foucaultian. You know? That's no excuse. Um, it's like, they read that, and then they're like, ah, so Foucault gave us a general history and so we just need to do what he did. But it seems like he in places limitations on his procedure or method that doesn't allow you to do that. So the best you can say is in these local situations, here are these patterns that emerge and here are the possible explanations we can give for what's happening. But I don't know what justifies looking at that and saying, and thus it follows in this other context. But let if, me, if I, I know, I know you want to come back Owen. let me just like real quick add to this, that like, th this is why, this is precisely why I do that dunk on like the late Foucault, where mm -hmm. it's like, let's look at gymnastics diaries from Roman antiquity because it's like, okay, he clearly thinks that this is illuminating for the present for some fucking reason. And yeah. I don't know why it is. <laughs> and it's not clear why we should be reading that or thinking about that and not something else. Right. And like, it just I, doesn't vibe with me. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not clear yeah. why the why the, the discourse around Roman gymnastics is like a subjugated knowledge. You know, what he says he wants to do in a genealogy, right? Like, you know, like, he says that he, in, in society we be defended, right? That yeah, what yeah. genealogy does it's, it's an insurrection in knowledge. He calls it right. We're gonna it's do. Like, we're what, gonna dude? like liberate subjugated discourses, right? These and like are doing a bunch like of fucking ablutions. Romans, like like doing yeah, doing like well, various different you, gymnastics, running marathons, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. because Italians are black and he's trying to do what he can. <laughs> that is black true. That that is true. true. I forgot. That's, I yeah, that. Foucault is a good Rawlsian in this regard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to come back to one thing, though, which about the, the point about truth and some of what you were saying, Will, and like just ask a kind of like stupid outside of the internal, well, sorry, outside of the internal stakes of Foucaultian discourse and just say like, isn't it like true what he says about the birth of the prison though it, it isn't like in a pretty straightforward sense right like he does the historical work he shows that this was never actually about reform it wasn't actually about correcting they're not correctional facilities like they're not actually about correcting or improving people right they're actually about shaping subjugating sub, as he uses this language of like subjectivating right creating a certain kind of docile subject and that if you want to understand the kind of mechanisms by which we've become so governable. And I think that's a question worth asking, like how the fuck have we become so governable because we are one governable fucking populace. <laughs> He has not, some answers. Not me, baby. You can't cover some, me. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has, I'm he has free. Some answers, I'm right? built different. I'm outside. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can govern y'all. Uh, no, but the key, yeah. he has some he has some answers. And, some, you know, maybe, you know, there's the meme about how the prison is everywhere. And that's one of his answers is like, well, there's this penitentiary model of like, you know, individuation and, you know, being rendered docile by institutions or whatever. But uh, I think that like, Again, in a kind of stupid way, I mean, his account of, of the genesis of the prison and the penitentiary form mm. of subjectivation and surveillance, I mean, I, that seems to me just like definitely true compared to the other really stupid story, which is that people wanted to help 
these poor criminals like get better and join society and be happy. I mean, I don't, do you see what I'm saying? I think I'm completely on Lillian's team here though. Like I think it is descriptively true what he says and it's Mm -hmm. not an explanation. Like I Mm -hmm. still don't like, it doesn't have causal. It doesn't have any causal sort of um, uh, account, you know? And I think it is to, to your point, it is more descriptively accurate than the alternative. Let's call them ideological accounts of why it is that we imprison people. And it still feels untethered from an actual causal story that would actually be inscribed within a historical sequence. Okay. But the reason why I wanted to read these lectures is because I think there is an attempt at a causal explanation in these lectures in a way that I don't see anywhere else in his work, right? He tries to say, this is the history of the bourgeoisie. This is their system of punishment and penitentiary. And this is the function that it serves, right? It has, it's it's very economically important. Like he gets into in the 19th century, this is later in the lectures, I get into the 19th century when, when it basically industrialization happens and there are massive concentrations of like products in one place and all these workers, it's not like people coming in to steal stuff. It's like now workers are really close to all of this really valuable stuff and they're actually in charge of like taking care of it. And so like, he's like, well, now the whole system of punishment, a whole new set of laws, a whole new way of administering justice Mm. has to be devised in order to protect massive stocks of capital from worker depredation. Right. Yeah. And so like okay. that, that, that is, that is to me like, is that right or wrong? I don't know. I'm saying that is at least like close to a, like as close to a genetic account or a causal account as I think you're going to get uh, in, in Foucault. And so, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Okay. So if it's as close to a causal account, then I just have to ask back to Gil's earlier point, like, why is that not just a very Althusserian way of doing things? And like, I mean, it just seems to me like that's kind of the argument you would make if you like thought there were ideological state apparatuses that basically served the function of stabilizing well, the society no, what, for class well, interests, no? Well, what he says in those 71 lectures is that he actually is disagreeing with Althusser and saying, well, not to say disagreeing, but just saying, look, like, I'm not going to focus on the ideological apparatuses stuff. Right? This is before he his whole turn against the repressive hypothesis. And he actually is like, listen, the whole repressive apparatus, like y'all, you guys all just take that for granted, right? You think the interesting one is the ideological apparatus. Like that's what mm-hmm. you really need to understand. And everybody just thinks, oh, the repressive apparatus, right. obviously the cops will dispatch your face. And if, if you do something that's not in like the ruling class's interest, and he's like, no, 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 no. Like let's step back and actually like look at this repressive apparatus, how it functions, who it's meant to, to benefit and serve mm-hmm. and who it targets and the way it targets them, right? Nice. I, I mean, yeah. so much better to me than like later just being like, okay. yeah, the repressive hypothesis is stupid. Power is only productive. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I agree with that. That makes sense. And I've also thought like in reading Discipline and Punish and these like early 70s lectures, like it feels like what he's trying to do is give an account of the reproduction, not of the relations of production, Mm-hmm. Right, which is, I think, what the the analysis of ideology is meant to do in Althusserian sort of milieus, but the the mechanisms of the reproduction of labor power, right, the forces of production, like that's what like the analysis mm-hmm. of this microphysics of power is about, like you know how these bodies are produced and reproduced that are going to be productive, maximally productive, and so on. Like that all that all tracks. This I like and I can get down with. But I want to come back to something that Will said before because I think there's still like a weird method problem in Foucault that I've never been able to figure out, which is, as you said, Will, it seems as though we have the ability in like a Foucaultian key to analyze discourses and structures of power only because they belong to the past, right? And so like there's a sort of weird like 
we can't talk about the present because we're still enmeshed within contemporary forms of power. We're too inside of its discursive sort of... Al of Minerva, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if we can only talk about, you know, what was going on in the birth of the prison in the 1600s or whatever, because it's 300 years ago, how, how then is this meant to shed light on the present if I can't talk about the present in the same way because I'm within these discourses, right? It seems like either I can't speak about the present or... I can, but this seems like something that he methodologically sees as illegitimate. Does this make sense? No, I kind of want to jump in because this is also what I was thinking. Because sometimes, you know, my issue is it sometimes seems like we're helping Foucault out because he is not, at least from (laughs) what I can tell from everything he's saying, he's not just trying to give you a linear history. This isn't him just saying, you know, we went from A to B to C. I can understand if he's doing, you know, and I would call that, you know, these kind of language, you know, something vertical. Like, you know, he's trying to say transcontextually, I'm showing you how this is happening and this is the principle that's still operative. But if he's doing something horizontal, then, you know, it makes sense. He's talking about a bounded context and saying, you've misunderstood this historical moment. Mm. And I'm going to shatter your perception of what was going on there. And that sometimes it feels very much like, A, shatter your historical conception of what's going on there. B, question mark. C, new subjectivity. And I'm like, what's the B? Because you know, if, if, if it's not as simple as him saying, this is how the prison formed, and so I'm giving you another linear history, a, you know, an, another linear history that you didn't realize, then we do have to explain how we make the contextual jump. Like, look, you're not going to hear me say, actually, it turns out, you know, 300 years later, prisons really are about correction, and you know, it's all about emancipating the individual. You won't hear me saying that. But, you know, I, there's sort of a, a, a meta argument that needs to be made mm-hmm. of how do we go from the horizontal contextualism to, you know, not just giving another linear history, if that's what, you know, on Foucault's own terms, not what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. If that is what he's trying to do, then it's unclear how he's different from other historians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could remember what else he said in he, he has this interview where he says that what his work is about is about doing a history of the present. Right. But it, he says it's about understanding the present. Right. But I, I completely agree that I, I don't see what the principle of connection is between the present and the various discrete historical instances that he examines. Yeah, because sometimes like, you know, and I don't want to be like, you know, too hard on the guy and all that. But, you know, sometimes it, it can feel like it's very impressionistic. Like, you know, the yeah. thing is, I can get on board when, you know, when Foucault starts giving like rich descriptions of how space is partitioned and how bodies are moving. It's really hard not to look at that and say, like, there, there's something very true there. Totally. I am getting insight mm-hmm. into how relations are reproduced, given a very materialist account that it turns out boy, the way buildings are structured isn't just, you know, a lark. Mm-hmm. But it's about how do we constrain certain habits and expectations and produce a certain type of either docility or governability. But mm. on the other hand, I don't think we want to say that these principles that we see in their you know, formation 300 years from, from our uh, present just remain stable. And right. you know, mm-hmm. it's just carrying forward. They can't have. And that's why sometimes it's helpful to have a meta framework that would be able to explain why certain changes emerge. But it's that seems to be the very thing that Foucault wants to withdraw from us, right? Maybe the issue is like use the word like uh, a materialist account. We'll talk about materialism. Maybe we should actually just ask like, is Foucault like a materialist? And if he is, like, what kind of materialist is he? Hey, thanks so much for listening. 
This was just a teaser. To listen to the full episode and access other premium content, please subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash philosophy. See you next time.